This episode of the Blue White Podcast is brought to you by Royal Thai Garden of a Beach. 9706. That's Royal Thai Garden. If you want the freshest, the dopest, the tastiest Thai food on this island, that is Oahu for those of our neighbor island listeners, head on down to Eva Beach and ask for the Blue White discount. You get 20% off your entire order. 20% discount. Go there. It's tasty. Yeah. We often hear Holly meaning white person in a negative connotation, but is a perfectly good word. It means foreign introduced to a foreign origin or foreign introduction. So in Hawaiian, anyone or anything that is not native to Hawaii is Haole. I'm Leilani Poli Ahu. Ahui Ho. Haole. Haole. Yeah. Yeah. Haole is a perfectly good word. Yo. Hello? Who is this? Hello? It's been a while. Hello? It's been a while. It's been so long it's, since we've done a podcast. I just, uh, we just posted a photo of you and our guest to our Instagram account. It was the first photo we posted on Blue Hawaii Instagram since the end of July. Here's my problem with that. Yeah. Is I, I just don't like Instagram. I don't like social media at all. I it's, hate but it. But like, I also check it 360 times a day. Do you know what I mean? Where, the, where I'm like, I, I want to not want this, it's but the devil. I can't help it. I still kind of want it. Also, uh, my wife just messaged me. She's picking up dinner. So like, <laughs> let's keep this, let's keep this brief. <laughs> um, What's she getting? It's a mystery. Ooh. Mystery box. Um, wow. So rather than bore you to tears with everything we've been up to for the past two months, we're going to save that for a special season two Book end, blah blah blah. Finale. Just us episode finale. finale. Yeah, just us, yeah. just us. You two faves back and better than ever. Um, Let's talk two, about what we're gonna do before that. We yeah. have two really interesting guests that are joining us today and next week. Uh, we are kicking off the 2020 cycle is upon us. Fittingly, you know, uh, as as the as the scribe says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. There's nothing new under the sun. Except for R.J. Brown, Except who's for running RJ for prosecutor, Brown, running and you'll for hear prosecutor. from him in a minute. He is new as hell. He's fresh. He's exciting. And he does not seem vain whatsoever. No. Such an appealing gentleman. And next week, you uh, you may have been hearing some buzz, some kerfuffle around a certain uh, Congressional District 2 Hawaii representative and some uh, slanderous accusations and this, Her name that. rhymes with Schmolsky Schmabbard. I don't know who is it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we are going to sit down with State Senator Kai Kahele, who is entering the ring, as Teddy Roosevelt would say, in the arena. He is challenging Congresswoman Gabbard. Um, and we're going to also be joined by dear friend of the show, Hawaii Delilah, at Hawaii Delilah on Twitter, who... Uh, political heavyweight. Political heavyweight. Uh, Knows everybody. Retweet queen. We're, doing it. we're not just doing it for the clout, folks. It's going to be an interesting chat. Yeah. He's a super interesting dude. Uh, whatever you think about her, her running for president, what it her means being for CD, Tulsi, not Hawaii Delilah, right? Hawaii Delilah could run for president if she I'd wanted vote for to. Her I'd vote Tulsi. for Tulsi. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Yeah. 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 Um, but we're looking forward to that, and we think you should be too. Um, and you know, Representative Gabbard, if you're listening and you're uh, not too busy in Iowa or on the Tucker Carlson show, we'd love to have you on too and <laughs> see what you think. So <laughs> she's like, "Sorry, I'm doing a three hour sit down with Breitbart as soon as I get done." <laughs> I can't realize why the I don't know why all these like racist white people just love yeah. me. Do I, first question, Kai Kahele, were you endorsed by David Duke? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Thanks. Oh, this has been the Blue Hawaii Podcast. 
Um, yes, so we'll put a pin in that for now. Uh, I'm excited to share with you what I've been up to. Ryan is excited to share with you what he's been up to. We're excited to spend more time together because uh, we haven't seen each other that much. Let's let's give a old friends and new friends coming together. Yes, uh, and just for a little bit of context for those of you listening, um, we're gonna do three more episodes for season two. So this is the first of three. Uh, Kai Kahele will be the second one, and then as Josh alluded to earlier, we're gonna do a season two wrap up. Um, where it's just us talking um, about like a little bit more in depth, like what's been going on with us. Why do we take so many breaks and why were they so long? Yeah. Um, and then I think... And then we're taking another break. Then we're going to take another break. I, <laughs> I think... Where, where do we go from here? The big fundamental absolutely. questions. We're going to open up our copy of Camus the Stranger and do a line-by-line reading and figure out... Uh, no, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be... I, I know it's going to be really good because... Um, we started this podcast as a way to um, put out into the world views that weren't being put out, at least from the Hawaii perspective. And um, a lot of what you'll hear us talk about over that final episode for season two is going to be, you know, our Hawaii experience and um, what, what that's how that's affected us and how that's affecting what we're trying to do which is create something that hopefully you all are interested in so um yeah more self-indulgent bs we'd love to hear it (laughs) that's our normally that's our specialty i mean you don't start a podcast unless you have just a tish bit of self-indulgence in your in your blood um a healthy bit of narcissistic personality disorder i i think keeps things interesting in an unhealthier amount makes it more interesting but rj brown prosecutor candidate all-around good guy coming up next yeah blue white podcast look forward to talking to you guys more thanks for listening bye bye Ooh, welcome back to the podcast ladies and gentlemen welcome back y'all i'm your host josh michaels he's your other host ryan little okay we forgot. are sitting in downtown honolulu in a very lovely office building looking out at the sunset over the pacific ocean talking to our dear friend rj brown who for some crazy reason, has decided to run to be the next prosecutor of the city and county of Honolulu. Top cop. Top cop. Yes, sir. And officially kicking off our 2020 election cycle, I think. God. What's weird is to think that we started this show yeah. at the beginning of the 2018 election cycle. But it wasn't, yeah, but we're not even in 2020 yet. We're not. We started in calendar year 18, so we're yeah. just getting... just. We started fetching way earlier. Extremely than that. American of us to start our election season We're way earlier than engaged. necessary. Yeah, but anyway, enough about us. RJ, how you doing, guys? Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. It well, is a pleasure to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming to sit down with us. Of the course. question that all of our listeners are wondering is, why do you hate yourself? <laughs> yeah. What I mean, you, you listeners, you if you listen to the show, you probably are at least familiar with what's going on. If you own a TV and you live in the state of Hawaii, you know what's going on. Every day there's a new uh, Shonda coming out of the prosecutor's office. Small kind Shonda. Sh- Shonda of the, you know, the prosecutor, uh, friends, associates, everyone. Uh, it, top to bottom, nobody trusts the institution. Where do we go from here? You seem to have the answers. What do you say? I say uh, it's twofold in terms of uh, why am I doing this? Why am I putting myself through this? First and foremost, um, like my dad taught me, if you see a problem, you go out and fix it. You don't sit around and wait for somebody else to get the job done. Uh, I think I've got the tools. I believe I've got the ability to go in there 
and uh, get that place back on its feet and get it back to doing what it's meant to do. And that's the second uh, part of the answer is I love what the prosecutor's office is meant to be. I love uh, what the mission is supposed to be. And, and for that reason alone, it's worth fighting for and making sure that that place runs ethically, correctly, morally, uh, efficiently the way it's meant to be. Well, when, when you say the mission, right. I think um, I think there's a lot of focus on prosecutors' offices around the country. I mean, I think in the last five to ten years, there's been heightened scrutiny on things like private prisons. I sure. mean, the documentary 13th came out. Sure. Like, what do you see the mission as? Because I think right now people, as a member of, of you know the public at large, I think people see the prosecutor's office as sort of, you know, uh, throwing uh, poor people in jail. Basically. Yeah. So what, what would you, how, how do you intend to restore it to its mission? What do you see that mission being? I don't, I don't think the mission has changed. The mission is protecting the community. It's protecting the public. It's making sure that people are safe. Um, where, where prosecutors offices have been getting uh, better in recent years is is coming to the conclusion that look the way that we've done things in the past where you just incarcerate everybody where you try to kind of bring this this tough on crime mentality and and use prison as the knee-jerk reaction that's what's failed um, but that you know we've seen through the data is not making communities safer we're not we're not producing results uh, that are consistent with the mission uh, so in my mind yes it's to keep keep the community safer but I think that there's there are different ways that we can go about that more effectively uh, that will produce a safer community that maybe um, depart from the way things have been done in the past. Like what? I think, uh, you know, look, in my experience as a prosecutor, methamphetamine addiction, that, that it's the devil. Uh, it and it's a it's, huge it's, problem here. It's the cause of, of 80% of no crime, whether it's property crime, whether it's violent crime, it's, it's, it's either the attempt to get methamphetamine to steal so that you can be the addiction or you're high on it at the time that you commit a crime. Um, we can't incarcerate addicts uh, to the best of our ability, right? If we can get these guys help, if we can get them into rehabilitation, if we can divert them out of the, the prison system and, and help them get literate, help them get to... Uh, a position where they can get back on their feet and become contributing members of society, that's something that I'm all for. That's just a no-brainer to me. Uh, I don't take the position as I sit here that um, that the criminal justice system is hyper-focused on just incarcerating every addict. I think people are trying their best, and that's from the prosecutors to the defenders to the courts. We're all trying to help people. Um, but the problem is we don't have the resources in place to get that job done effectively. Uh, so as a prosecutor, if I'm elected, I'm going to use that position essentially to support uh, to support more programs like Habilitat, support more programs uh, despite the problems they've been having, like Sand Island. Uh, we need more outlets for rehabilitation. We need more outlets to get people help. Uh, and I don't see anything inconsistent with bringing a little bit of compassion to the job uh, for me uh, and, and protecting my community. For me, that makes a safer community. If we've got fewer addicts in the streets, if you've got fewer people uh, that are desperate to feed that addiction, uh, my kids are going to be safer, your kids are going to be safer, and we are going to be a better, more cohesive society. And we're going to spend so much less money because it costs an astronomical amount of money to lock somebody up. That's the truth. And, and, mean, and look, and, and I'm going to get a lot of grief because people are going to say, hey, you know, that's, that's not, you can't just, how are you going to fund rehab, right? Well, you're going to fund it with the money that would have otherwise gone into OCCC or Halava or the juvenile detention center or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, we just take those resources and we put them into something that's actually productive, something that actually might help somebody. Uh, and that means something to me. So that's, that's one of the, uh, the, the ways that we're going to change the, you know, what's been done there. Um, 
alternatively, I think, you know, we've got to be a little bit more open and transparent, not a little bit more, a lot more open and transparent with how things function over there. We've got to restore trust. I back. don't think that's been really a problem at the prosecutor's office, has it? You know, I think there's, a, there's been issues uh, over there, as you guys are, are very well aware, uh, that are not just disappointing, they're disgusting. Nice use of passive voice yeah. there. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, let's, let's back up a little bit and, sure. and talk about you, get, give our, our listeners an idea of, you know, we talk about what your, your vision would be, but what makes you qualified? But even more than that, what, what, what life experiences led you to this point? What life experiences led me to this point? Um, you know, look, my, my, my values are, are rooted here in Hawaii. I spent most of my elementary school years on Maui. Uh, I went to high school here in Oahu. I spent some time overseas. Um, um, which high school? Which high school did you go? <laughs> that would be Punahou High School, the one and only. Never heard, heard of it. it. I'm a fan. <laughs> Nairobi's <laughs> finest. Um, you know, look, uh, I think most particularly. Um, yeah. I, I thought it was a, a Kenya joke. Yeah. I didn't get it. It took a minute. It took a minute. I've, I'll be here all week. Because Obama w- was from Kenya. Yes. The secret Muslim guy. This is why I'm the funny one. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm just trailing behind here. Yeah. I apologize. No, it's okay. <laughs> so, RJ, uh, you went to Punahou. Right. Um, where'd you go after that? Uh, after Punahou, I had the privilege of going to the University of Colorado at Boulder. Um, go Buffs. Go Buffs, go Buffs, go Buffs. Boulder, uh, Cordell Stewart. Uh, the, the the one and the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so I walked onto the football team there, which was a great experience for me. It was difficult. It was, uh, you know, it was exhausting. You got to you got to work your tail off, especially if you're a guy especially like me. Especially if you're a walk on. Especially if you're a walk on, if you like. You're just a tackling dummy. I was a tackling dummy, but I was a damn good one. Um, I, I I was able to throw myself out there with uh, vigor. Um, no, the experience was tough. It was great. Uh, I made some of my best friends in the world. Uh, ultimately, you know, I earned a scholarship and, and started as a linebacker and That's got awesome. as a team captain as a, as a junior by my peers, which was very cool. Um, and, uh, you know, that was, that was a great experience. That was one of my first leadership experiences, I think, uh, going into an adverse environment and proving yourself and, and, and earning the respect of your, of your fellow people. Not, not only is that awesome, it's almost unheard of for a guy to go from walk-on to not only scholarship player, but team captain. I mean, that is... It was hard. Does the R in RJ stand for Rudy? I, you know, I always loved that movie. I wanted, okay, I wanted to go. attend Notre Dame, yeah. but I got uh, oh. you know, I didn't have quite the grades to get there. Um, loved Rudy. Uh, growing yeah. up, my dad was a big fan. Um, so, yeah. Okay. I wish. I wish. <laughs> yeah. um, um, and then, so, you left Colorado, came back to Hawaii. Did not Colorado. go straight to the William Esterton School of Law. You had a real career on the real world. Uh, yeah. uh, kind of coming full circle, working for the outlet that uh, broke most of the news about everything going on at the prosecutor's office. You were an investigative reporter for Civil Beat. That's right. Uh, so I, I um, you know, at CU, I met um, my now wife, Ricky. Uh, she's born and raised in Oahu, and we came back. Uh, we got married. I started looking for a job. I had graduated with a degree in journalism, and, and Civil Beat was just popping up at that point. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to get an internship there, kind of the same story as Colorado. I worked my way into a job. Uh, they gave me a gig as a, as a, you know, doing a lot of the fact checks and, uh, and I, I just subscribed to their mission, right? It's about transparency. It's about holding government officials accountable. And that was right up my, my alley. So, uh, I loved working there. Uh, I loved being a reporter. Um, but there was a draw, uh, to law school, uh, that I ultimately pursued, um, worked at Civil Beat for a while and then, um, ultimately decided that I wanted to, to, to try something else and pursue law. And then I found my way to UH Richardson which was a incredible experience. I ended up falling in love with the law. I, and then I, where from there? 
after Richardson, I, I graduated, and I immediately went to the prosecutor's office. <gasps> oh, so interesting. That was where it all you began. How do experience. we know that you're not corrupted? Yeah. I, I you don't except you just got to take my word for it. I'm kidding, man. You gotta you gotta hold me uh, accountable and you gotta hold my feet to the fire and you gotta ask me tough questions in interviews. Uh, like how this. long were you with the prosecutor's office for? I was with the prosecutor's office for I think just over four years. Uh, and in okay. that time, I had uh, you know I'd, I'd risen really quickly through the misdemeanor ranks and I got into felonies. I think about six months after I'd started there. Uh, it's a meat grinder, right? Like yeah, when you when you get yeah. in when you get into the misdemeanor jury section or excuse me the misdemeanor section, uh, which is which is. Um, you know, any offense is punishable by a year or less. Uh, you are you are very much a cog in a machine. You're, you're handling volume. You're dealing with, um, you know, not so much substantively difficult issues, but you're dealing with how do I get this caseload dealt with yeah. because there's just so many, yeah. uh, there's so many defendants. And it's there's almost so many like we charged. arrest too many people well, for things that maybe <laughs> shouldn't be crimes. Well, you mm. know, that is definitely an issue. Uh, certainly one we should take up with the legislature. Yeah. Um, that, was, that, was, that was slick. That was <laughs> very, very uh, deferential. Now, now like my, uh, I'm obligated to inform a real you. Politician. <laughs> Listeners of the show will know that my wife is a public defender and passionate advocate for criminal justice reform. That's and a very, very mild way of putting it. And I could, I think, this was her ringing endorsement. I can probably count on 40 hands the number of times I've heard her say, f***ing prosecutors. <laughs> <laughs> and so for, for her to say... R.J. Brown, one of the good ones. That's a huge endorsement. Take it to the bank. Yeah. That is a, no, that, that, that's cool to hear. And, I, and, well, I, and, I've, and I've heard that from not just her. I've heard I was going to say, I, was gonna, uh, I apologize for my, co- for my co-host's... Uh, I probably misquoted Bulgarian? her. She wouldn't have said that. <laughs> no, definitely not. She 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 doesn't swear. She's no. She she abhors she, vulgarity. Good Christian girl. Uh, that no, that is yeah. I, I, uh, I I don't take that lightly. Um, you know, the reality is when I was a prosecutor, I I always loved working with the public defenders. I always respected what they did. I always saw us as two sides of the same coin, and that was, it's the pursuit of justice, and and that is what matters. I mean, at the end of the day, we both have our roles. I've yeah. got a. Um, you know, look out for the interests of the victim, and I've got to present a case ethically and, and be a minister of justice and make sure that we're producing or we're, we're proceeding toward a right result. Yeah. Um, and the public defenders have their obligation to protect the constitutional rights of their client and the and the defendants. And when the two people are working toward the same outcome, which is, mm-hmm. hey... It doesn't have to be adversarial. Absolutely not. It does not have to. I mean... It, to a certain extent, I suppose it does because that's yeah. the way the system is built. But like built. personally adversarial. Absolutely. Acrimonious. Yeah. Acrimonious. That's yeah. the good distinction oh, right there. Oh, um, wait, lawyers let their ego and their personality and their fragility get in the way of? Surely you just. No, I don't no. know. Only, only on <laughs> occasion. I say, <laughs> yeah. no, man, look, the, the people that are generally involved in the criminal justice system, at least in my experience, whether you're a prosecutor, or public defender, part of the judiciary, uh, we are all trying to do the same thing. We're all trying to achieve a right outcome. We're all trying to help people, whether it's a victim or defendant. We're all, we're all trying to make this place better. Now, sometimes you get personalities that don't necessarily, you know, fit into that broader view, and they yeah. would bring us down you and give us a bad man. reputation. And sometimes they become the prosecutor and the first deputy. But other than that, <laughs> the uh, and the chief of police. But other than that, you know, uh, so you were there for four years and you left with that, and you know. To some, you know, this is all probably going to come out on the campaign. You'll probably be asked more in depth about this. Sure. Um, why? Why? Yeah. Why'd you leave? And and did you have a sense at the time you left that like something is rotten in the state of Denmark? The right. feces were about to hit. The feces were the about to hit blade. the circular uh, air mover. Yeah. Oh, good. I couldn't think of a word for it. You know, when I, I like I said, I think I I gotten promoted in the felony jury trial section uh, yeah. about six months into my career, and then I had done more than twenty felony jury trials, and I had just finished up a murder. 
uh, and I had uh, been shifted into a new division. You had done the murder? Just finished up he a murder trial. trial. The murder was already uh, started. He just went in there and put the last bullet in. It was a uh, no. God, you're gonna get me in trouble. <laughs> it's a. Uh, We're just trying to give. Actually, we've been planted by all of the other prosecutors and the uh, potential prosecutors in the field. Well, there's so many. So of them we're trying to get a lot of good sound bites that they can just play over and over again. You know, I'll, 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 are you I'll or are you, you all not, night long? I promise. Are you a Russian asset or not a Russian asset? I when did you stop beating your wife? Oh God. No. How? Anyways, right. back to the uh, back to the murder you were doing. Yeah. So I just, uh, you know, I had just finished up that trial, and I had been transferred to a new section. And look, um, I'm running for public office. I'm mm-hmm. running to be the next prosecuting attorney. And if if I could tell you with a straight face that look, I I I knew that the corruption went so deep, and I and I couldn't stand it, and my soul required me to leave that place. It'd be a great answer to give you. It's just not the truth. Um, the reality is I left the prosecutor's office because um, after I had finished up that trial, I started getting calls from civil firm. I always had a curiosity about what was out there, and I wanted to, I wanted to see. I wanted to um, you know, see where my skill set might be expanded and, and basically just see what was held on the other side. Um, and that's why I left the prosecutor's office. At the time, I had not been aware of kind of the, the, the funk and the corruption that had been festering there. Uh, or did you turn a blind years. eye to it willfully? Well, the truth comes out. Yeah, you know, I think uh, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> ignorance is blessed to a certain degree. But, but no, um, I just hadn't been aware of it at, at that yeah. time. It wasn't really front and center uh, in what we were doing. And, and my focus and my job was to uh, do the right thing every day. And that's what I tried to keep my mind on was the cases that I had before me, with the victims that I had before me, with the defendants that I had before me. Um, and I, you know, tend to get pretty hyper-focused into whatever I'm doing. So that's, that's where I was looking at. I wasn't really paying attention. Uh, mostly because I didn't have access to it, but to the administrative problems that were taking place at the time that kind of came to light after the fact. So how long have you been away? Uh, About a year and a half now. And when Um, did you decide to run for prosecutor? I decided to run for prosecutor uh, in December of last year, I think, when the news uh, really started getting going, um, that that individuals in the the office had received target letters. Um, You know, I didn't see anybody in the horizon that that I expected would want uh, to put themselves through this process and that I thought would be someone that could get elected and that would be someone that I would trust to go in and do the right job. Um, I think I had alluded earlier that my dad told me, my, 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 my parents raised me to solve problems. And um, it was really when I had seen that and when it became when it became exposed and when it really was, okay, the federal government is really looking into and investigating. Yeah. Listeners, uh, if you don't know, a target letter basically means the FBI is coming for you. Yeah. Yeah, and they, it's, it's when a serious you, when you deal. you get one, yeah. they pretty much already got their case. You can hear the, you it's can more hear in the a, back, yeah, it's, it's a background, courtesy. bad boys, bad boys. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're basically just saying, hey, you're gonna go to prison. you should get a lawyer. Yeah, it's 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 a bad deal, and it it uh, it was very delicately put. <laughs> it was just it was sad to see. I you know I was not great. <laughs> no, it was it was it was it was unfortunate yeah. uh, the way that thing all panned out. But really, when I saw it uh, just explode the way it did. Um, and when I, you know, for me, I, lo- I love the people at the prosecutor's office. I love the line deputies. In my experience, the vast, vast majority of people there were trying to do the right thing every single day. Um, and those are the people that I adhered to. And those are the people that I, that I want to fight for. And so when I saw this, this whole situation, if you want to be euphemistic about it, um, it was, it was, you know, something that kind of stirred my soul. And I said, you know what, you just, you got to step in. You got to, you got to put yourself out there. You've got to uh, make yourself available and try to lead because that's the experiences that I've had in my life is that when I, 
when I press hard and when I set myself to something and when I work my butt off, which is certainly what I'm going to do in this situation, I can I can hopefully do some good. And that's that's the that's the goal. Yeah. So tell us so tell us about you know, if inshallah it all works out, you get elected. Tell us about your vision for the office, how you clean it up, how you restore the public's trust, and how, as you say, some I assume are good people. How do you, <laughs> to, qu- to quote the president of the United States? How do you empower the, some we assume are good people prosecutors to do the right thing, to do better jobs? Right. I mean, ultimately, the, the culture of the office has got to change. Um, you know, we cannot be an environment where, where, where you're, you're judging success by the, the conviction rate or something yeah. along those lines. What I want to make sure is that when I get in there day one, uh, rule number one, the golden rule is what we're going to call it. And it's not that, it's not that original or, or fantastic of a way to, to put things, but it's just do the right thing. Make sure that you're not, you're not out to hurt anybody. You're not out to uh, create more problems. You're not out to be vindictive. Just you're not padding out to, stats. Right. You're not, you're, you're not there to be some kind of, um, Robocop. Yeah, a Robocop. You're there to achieve justice. And, and justice sometimes uh, means that you drop a case. It sometimes means that you dismiss charges. It sometimes means that you don't pursue charges. And other yeah. times it means that you zealously right. advocate for the victims. And you make sure that you do everything in your power to uh, to get as much evidence as possible to make sure that somebody is held accountable. Um, you know, I think there's three tiers to the vision, right? Number mm-hmm. one is integrity. Uh, we've got to go back in there and we've got to re-earn the public's trust. And that's going to start, I want to audit the office. I want to publicly expose the inner workings of what's going on there to make sure that we just say, look, this is, this is where, we are, that we, where we are at, where we've been. Uh, we're going to be open with the public about whatever failures we uncover, uh, and we're going to fix them going forward. I think I'd like to engage with the community. Every month I want to have forums with people, whether it's in Waianae or Hawaii Kai. It's about getting out there and being accessible, letting people probe me, letting people ask questions about what we're doing, why we're doing it. I don't mind that. I welcome the engagement, um, and I'm certainly going to commit myself to that. Um, you know, into, uh, the next aspect, I suppose, would be leadership, and this is more of a technical aspect, which I'm not sure is going to be overly interesting to your listeners. But um, inside Football the office, captain, prosecutor, captain, <laughs> leading leading people into battle. It's all the same. That's what you're doing to a certain extent, yeah. right? You're 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 making sure the culture is. Battle, I appreciate. Yeah, you're making sure the culture is. Let's do the right thing. How do we achieve that? Yeah. Right. But in order to get to the right thing on occasion, what you've got to do or, or every single time is what you've got to do is make sure that you've got prosecutors that are competent, that are efficient, that know what they're doing and that are good at their job. Uh, because when you do get that case, that violent situation, when you do have that person that hurts somebody, uh, you want to make sure that people are held accountable. And that's mm-hmm. not that's not coming from a place of, hey, I want to destroy this defendant. Yeah. I just believe in accountability as a necessary yeah. first step in getting someone to a better yeah. place. Uh, justice does not always require retribution. No, oftentimes it doesn't. It yeah. usually shouldn't. Yeah. But uh, but when the circumstances call for it, you got to make sure that the people under your watch yeah. are really damn good at their job. And so right now, the way that the prosecutor's office functions, the way it's kind of structured is you've got very broad divisions, like the felony jury trial division like I was in, where you handle everything from... Uh, murder to drug possession to property crimes to, to burglaries to robberies you just have you do the whole gamut mm-hmm. what i'd like to do is create specialized units smaller teams uh, that are going to be focused on a specific area of crime and the purpose for that is essentially to give the prosecutors the opportunity to see uh, the same types of issues over and over again uh, to become familiar with the relevant case law that's going to govern uh, how they can prosecute the case and so when they have those opportunities when they've got those cases that need to go to trial they know what they're doing, and they're going to get a good verdict, and they're going to get a just verdict. And that's what ultimately is important in my mind. Uh, beyond that, the next tier is just change. We've got to make sure that we are pressing in um, 
or pressing for criminal justice reform. I think when you look at the data nationally, when you look at the, the situation of the United States compared to other other countries, um, it's, it's, it's... We incarcerate more people than China, more it's people unbelievable. than Iran, more it's, people it's, than it's, Russia, it's a moral abomination. Arabia, like, it's we, a moral do, abomination. Yeah. But probably a lot of their people that get arrested, I mean... It's true, they don't... If, they, if they're still alive, they don't keep records on them. I spoke to a Chinese attorney one time who said, uh, it's not whether your client's going to jail... It's whether they're going to kill them. God. And they're... <laughs> well, let's avoid that. I don't think... Yeah, yeah. We definitely don't want to We're be going down that, that route. Anyway, so, no. yeah. So, well, he's already done his murder, or finished his murder. So, um, that's not an issue for RJ here. No, sir. No, sir. But, I got away uh, with it. Yeah, so you're, you're trying to, like you said, make sure that we reform this criminal justice system. What does that look like for you? I think ultimately, you know, what that means is you deal with addiction and mental health issues differently than we have been, right? You're not pressing for incarceration. You're pressing for treatment. Uh, diversion has got to be the rule, right? And, and if you're not a violent individual and if you're just somebody that's, that's struggling with substance abuse, if you're somebody that's struggling with internal demons, whatever they are, look, if we can get you help, man, if we can get you back on your feet, that's what we're going to do. I'm not going to go prosecute you and send you into prison because it makes me look good or it makes me look tough or it makes me, gives me the opportunity to go out into the public and say, look how much of a badass I am. That's not what I'm interested in. But I want to do right. But your opponents will though, right? My I opponents mean, will. And look, and if that's the way, if uh, some of my opponents will. Yeah. I, I don't mean writ large, but I mean, there'll be somebody who comes along and says, look at this guy. He's not locking up all these meth heads. Like, I'm sure that there are going to be uh, effective candidates for the prosecutor's office that are going to be on crime. running on a, on a, on a on a tough-on-crime kind of a platform. How do you counteract those messages? Well, you, you, you articulate that, look, the goal is a safer community. Being tough on crime is the way it's been done in the Carlisle administration, in the Kaneshiro administration, and all the preceding administrations before that. What's it produced? A less safe society. Super friggin' overcrowded prisons. Super overcrowded prison systems. Having to ship Native Hawaiians to Arizona. To private incarceration, yeah. which, is, which in itself is a moral abomination, right? Yeah. And so when you look at the situation, say, look, we've done it this way. We've been tough as hell on all these guys. Well, that's tougher sentences, longer sentences, more prison time, whatever it may be. Uh, what's it produce? We've got more gun violence. Uh, we've got more addiction. We've got more property crime. Uh, it's just, it's not a situation that strikes me as tenable. So rather than continue to repeat the same failures of the past, you say, okay, what can we do differently? Let's treat addiction differently. Let's treat mental health differently. Let's make sure that we're treating juveniles as children and getting them whatever assistance that we can provide them. Let's minimize incarceration, reserve it just for the special few that really deserve and belong there. Uh, and and you know, don't mistake me. I, I do think that there are bad guys out there. There I are some people who... May need for the rest of society. You should probably keep them away from society. I think we all right. agree with that, right? Yeah. And it's a it's a philosophically but, contentious yeah. thing. But I believe in evil. Right. I believe in bad. I believe that yeah, there is sure. problems out there. But also, uh, um, but but once if they are there, like, you know, there's it's a cliche, but uh, the best way to learn how to become a good criminal is to go to prison, right? I absolutely so, agree. So, what would you do in terms of uh, bringing a more rehabilitative emphasis to people who are incarcerated? You've got to, as opposed to just letting them sit. 15 years, send them back out with no hope, no prospects, they end up right back. Right. I think, uh, you know, look, the special role that I get to uh, carry as a prosecuting attorney uh, is I do, to some extent, get a bully pulpit, and I do get to amplify my, my positions, and I get to go out there before the legislature and other community groups, and I get to say what I think is correct and what I think is right and what I think is morally good. Um, I do not have any problem. In fact, I fully support a transition of the prison system from the punitive to the therapeutic because it makes sense, right? So long as this individual who did X, Y, or Z is separated from the community and I can ensure you 
that this person's not going to be a, a danger to you or your children or your family in any capacity whatsoever because we have him or her confined uh, in some particular place. That's my role, right? I got to hold this guy accountable. I got to make sure he's not going to hurt you again. I will succeed at that job. But once they get there, we don't need to treat people like animals. You don't need to treat people uh, in a way that's just going to breed more miscontent. I mean, ultimately, the vast majority of these guys, whether it's 5, 10 years or 12 years, whatever they're going to get set for their minimum, they're coming back out. And the question is, do you want a guy that's just been treated like a caged dog for the last decade of his life and knows nothing but violence and horror? Or do you want to say, hey, you're incarcerated. Let's get you into some programs. Yeah. Let's treat you like a human being. Let's try to... Figure out how we can get you back to where you need to be. Amen. And that to me is just, it's a no-brainer because it creates a safer community, which again is consistent with the mission of the prosecutor's office. It's about safety. I it's feel about like keeping you safe. That position is much more tenable now as well because, you know, I've lived in Hawaii since 2012 and I don't know of a single person here whose life has not been affected by addiction in some regard um and so many people that i know whether they're from here or not have a family member who has been in some phase of the criminal justice system and what makes the biggest difference in whether they ever exit the criminal justice system quite frequently is how they're treated while they're a, a part of it and so i I think people will act will, are potentially ready to see um, a prosecutor who says, "Oh, I know this guy was caught with whatever, a, a, you know, a pipe to smoke ice, but let's have compassion on him because people can now look and go, "Oh yeah, that's like my nephew, yeah. or that's like my son, or that's my daughter, and or that's my not, mom." Even like, if not, people are realizing, "What does it benefit me to like ruin some guy's life for having a pipe or having a joint or you know making like a dumb decision when they're a kid?" Like, and I think you know nationwide we've seen as more and more high-profile stories come out, people see, and people people are we're, not that we were lied to necessarily by the you know war on crime war on drugs like tough 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 got like we've seen it's, it's a pretty abject failure all around so i think everybody is ripe to try it's something the war new. in iraq of wars on crime or is the war on crime the wait flip it they're, they're all i mean all wars are bad the war on terror is just yeah. like the war on crime but international Yo, I guess I'll, uh, galaxy brain. <laughs> RJ, sorry, give us a sec. We got to unpack this. Please, you guys got to move. You got to move. Uh, uh, somebody, one of our listeners asked, uh, does RJ stand for Rick James? Rick James. Uh, no, it's okay. uh, Robert Joseph. Robert Joseph Brown. I have the most mundane name in the world. I was named after my grandfather, who was a great man, so I uh, carry it with pride. Um, I didn't want to go by Bobby. Right there. Um, like, so boring, but my grandfather was like, oh. Yeah, good, yeah. Um, good. Decent, boring man. That's, <laughs> you know, I've got my I, grandfather's I, middle I'm, name. I'm, 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 a, I'm a little no. vanilla. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, look, I'm not. A, I'm we're not, not talking about race here, RJ. But <laughs> you know, fine. you I brought it up. I fit the bill. Uh, you know, after uh, after the three, four past months of news coverage, I feel like people could deal with a little vanilla in in <laughs> city government. Like, I I don't think that's coming off how you want it that, to sound, right, bro. That's not what that's not what I meant. <laughs> People, same with same people are ready for something that's uh, safe and and standard rather than not white, not uh, not the, not the not 
people I, people don't want more corruption. Can yeah. we just put it that way? I think no, it's I, just like the presidency. Like whatever you wherever you care about politics, a lot of people just want to go back to not having to, to care. care. Yeah, right. And people want to go back to like not needing to see uh, what did the Kalahas do now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, listen, yeah. I, 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 I hear exactly what you're saying. I hear exactly what you're good. saying. I don't I don't know that it's good. At least not in terms of being able to run for a political race. But I, I'm not a complicated guy. Yeah. I. I, I got two kids at home. I got another one on the way. I love my Mazel wife. Tov. I love my family. Mazel Thank you, tov, sir. Uh, I, I'm kind of a homebody. I like to be with my kids and with my wife and with my in-laws, with my brother-in-law, my sister-in-law. That's where I find my happiness. I'm not, um, not going to be excessively interesting to people. But what I am going to do is I'm going to say what I believe. And uh, ultimately, at the end of this election, I think there's going to be a lot of qualified, competent people, and we're going to have a great debate, and we're going to talk about a lot of issues that need to be discussed. Uh, but what I know I will do is I'm going to tell the truth. Uh, those are the things that matter to me. Can we be uh, forthcoming with people? Uh, can we be honest in public service? Uh, you asked me earlier why the heck I'm doing this and why I'm dragging myself through this process and, and your family. My, my family through yeah. this process because believe me, gentlemen, that is not a, um, you know, that's a real deal. Yeah. Uh, putting yourself out into the political realm like this, uh, this is not something I, yeah, it's not something that you can prepare yourself for. Sure. Um, there's a lot of anxiety and difficulty that comes sure. along with it. But look, it's also, it's also an incredible privilege. Um, I get to go out there and I get to come on cool shows like this and I get to say what I think oh, is... Oh, shucks. No, I, I get to say what I think is fundamentally true and what I believe to be morally correct in my soul. Um, you know, my faith is incredibly important to me and, and I think that there is something to be said for that, that I get to uh, live out a life, at least live out this experience... Um, saying what I think is is accurate and good, and, and, and trying to set an example for my children. Truth uh, shall set you free, right? Amen, friend. Yeah. I mean, that's it. That's that's it. That's, that's accountability. Let's find the truth. Yeah. Let's find justice. That's what we're seeking. Well, that's, if people hear this and they're like, "Yo, I want to get involved," where do they go? What do they do? How do they how do they how what do they get involved? What is your website? With you? So Universal our, Resource Locator. Our uh, website is uh, votearjbrown.com. Uh, we've also got a um, Instagram and Facebook. Uh, we I'm just tagged sure you in that wonderful uh, matching red spinner lash. I photo. appreciated that. It's a, uh, no, yeah. So if anyone wants to get in there, they can uh, sign up, get involved, however they want. Um, what are your needs right now? I mean, you're because you're you know, we've got we've got some people in the race. I mean, uh, Rick Carlisle through his name, Peter Carlisle. Sorry, Rick Carlisle, the coach of the <laughs> Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> Rick Carlisle, the NBA, the 2011 <laughs> NBA coach of the year. Rick Carlisle. He's uh, he's in the race. No. Peter Carlisle, uh, former home of the prosecutor, threw his weight behind Megan Cow, who's right. one of your opponents. Right. So obviously, you know, her operation ostensibly is going to be a little bigger than yours. But for a guy like you, who's like, you know, maybe I don't have the the name recognition or I don't have, you know, the quote unquote like celebrity endorsement. Like, what are your needs right now? Is just a guy who's young and really trying to make a difference in a race that will really affect so many people's lives. Right. You know, I think. Uh, what we need, uh, top to bottom, is just grassroots help. We need people that are willing to get out there to, to talk about the message, to, to wave signs, to do all the things that are necessary to a political campaign. Um, I'm figuring this all out as I go along. Uh, and, and, and look, the reality is, you know, you've got people like uh, Mr. Carlisle who's supporting uh, Megan. Um, the biggest deficit that I have in terms of being able to get elected is name recognition. Yeah. So I've got to find a way to get out there and hopefully... Uh, hopefully there's going to be opportunities uh, for debate and discussion amongst the candidates. And that's where you either sink or swim. Either your ideas make more sense and you're either able to uh, 
uh, to offer a better vision of the future uh, than the alternative. And I think that's where hopefully uh, we're going to shine. But there are practicalities and realities that come along with a political contest. And so, man, if you're out there and if you're interested in what we're talking about and if you're able uh, to hitch up with us and give us some support and help us out in any way, believe me, we will find an opportunity to get you uh, get you moving. And also, as of right now, you're the only millennial in the race, right? I think uh, Jacqueline Esser may be. Uh, she just jumped in the race a couple of days ago. Oh, okay. I don't know how old she is, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually not even sure what the range of millennial is. What, what do you got to be born? 1980 or something? I I, uh, I say if you got screwed by the Great Recession, like <laughs> you're right out that, of college, you're, you're a millennial. And 9 yeah. 11 yeah. is like your first major formative. Uh, that would be it. Or yeah. one of your first. Yeah. 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 Well, Last, you know, two questions that we ask all our guests. Yeah, they're trying to play us off here. You can hear the yeah. the vacuum cleaners in the back. Sorry. Before Folks, we're doing this after hours. Yeah. RJ is before a, that dedicated. Before everybody goes to vote, RJBrown.com. Two questions that we ask all of our guests. Oh yeah, actually, this is gonna be a, this is gonna probably make a difference. Hit me. The uh, you're stranded on a desert island. Yes, sir. You've uh, been you've no, been running from your calling and have been swallowed by a great whale. That great whale swam around the biblical. ocean for a bit yeah. and then spit you out oh my. onto I, an island. And you missed game two of the World Series, which is happening right now oh, as well. As we I know you're a sports fan. Yeah, you're dying. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but you could only, somehow, before this whale swallowed you, you were able to smuggle on or in. Smuggle on, in? Smuggle. You were carrying with you. You were carrying with you one book, one movie, and one album. And oh they happen God. to all be your favorites. Yes. Album. That's a yeah. thing, huh? Um that's or your uh, favorite Spotify playlist. Yeah, you know, I I, I mean, book for me Album. is simple. I'm bringing my Bible. Um, the, uh, the 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 movie. Which book of the Bible? Um, you only get one book from the sixty four books. I'll take Romans. Romans. Um, All right, sure. Going. Um, uh, so that would be the book, movie. I'm a movie buff, man. I like I like good movies. That's hard to pin me down to one. Um, you know, growing up, I always dug the movie Braveheart, but that uh, I don't think that would still be it. I loved the movie Cinderella Man. That was a good flick. Oh, Cinderella's pop, it's a beautiful bang. movie. Pop, pop, bang. Yeah, Never man. watched that movie. You should it's watch a that great movie. flick. I, I mean, I'm not opposed to it. I would I, love to. I, know. I, I promised know. him. I promised him we wouldn't send him away. Isn't that good? Yeah. Uh, no, hell, I don't know. I don't know what kind of movie I would take. Um, that's okay. More time to read the Bible. It's going to yeah, be the no, Passion amen. of the Christ if you don't give us one. Oh, my goodness gracious. No, thank you. We already we already had one Mel Gibson mention. We don't need two. Yeah, really. Um... I was going to say Apocalypto uh, if you if I really want to punish you. Uh, you know what movie I love? And I don't love it necessarily because it's a... Um, I don't think the script is necessarily phenomenal, but the performance of Daniel Day-Lewis and Lincoln. And uh, when I watch that movie, I'm just sort of like, man, that's, he that's really who was he Lincoln. was. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I don't know how you can be a living, breathing human being, particularly someone who's entering into the foray that I am and not be completely and utterly inspired by Abraham Lincoln. Good political answer. Yeah. So, uh, so that's certainly got to be up there. And then the uh, the music, man. Yeah. That's that's another this toughie. The cheat, the, cheat, the cheat tip. It's going to be now. That's what I call gospel. Yeah. If you don't give us, I like Christmas music. Can I do that? That yeah. cannot be your answer. <laughs> you're listening. Look, to I like everything. It's like I, April, and you're just like my wife. I I drive my wife crazy uh, because I dig everything from Sublime to Bob Marley to Enya to Bach to Beethoven to who can say where the where the road goes. It's it's uh, okay, a great tune, <laughs> man. I'm telling you. Um, Hell, I don't know. I really... That's a tough question. And I apologize for failing so miserably in my no, moment uh, of the, uh, the, difficulty. The hot tip, uh, you just say your favorite artist's greatest hits album. Favorite artist's greatest hits? Uh, yeah. Are you asking me that question? Or are you yeah. saying that's what I should What's ask? your favorite artist? Let's just go with favorite that. Favorite music. Like you can only listen to one artist for the rest of your life. 
Yeah, the voters are really. It's definitely Enya. He's if he's taking this long, it's it, Enya. He's like trying to think of somebody and not say Enya. I don't know if you've heard Enya, but yeah. like Celtic Woman. Good. Do you guys remember the <laughs> the compilation <laughs> album Pure Moods? I don't recall. It was that. it used to come on Cartoon Network all the time, and it was just like it was like mood. It was basically Enya and and at all. You mentioned, I mean, Braveheart. Enya, I'm noticing a theme here. You like Kel- very epic Celtic, things. Celtic I like power. epic things. Yeah. You gotta aim higher. Right? Uh, you, gotta, you, gotta, you gotta believe in heroes. That's the way the world works. Brown, uh, RJ Brown, Brown, RJ. So, oh. our second question. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, that was a tough Ooh. one. I, we oh, yeah. we asked the tough questions yeah. on the Blue Hawaii podcast. What is your favorite place to eat on this island? Anywhere that's got chicken feet and dim sum. Uh, that, that, I'm not even joking. My last meal, if I am ever uh, executed, you know, hooked up to the chair, if my if, if, my, if my criminal if justice ever reform plans you, are you reverted, that murder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, chicken feet, man. Irony That's my last irony. meal. No joke. Where, a, who yeah. makes the best chicken feet on the island? Uh, I, you know, I just go to Happy Days in Kaimuki because it's oh, easy. Yeah. Uh, but we try to go anywhere is. in Chinatown. I mean, it's a uh, Happy Days. If it's got um, if it's got dim sum, I'll be there. And if it's got chicken feet, I'll get three orders. I'm as a fat man. That's the way it happened. As the song goes, these happy days are yours and mine. <laughs> happy days. Well, we hope for happy days for you throughout your campaign. Appreciate it, brother. And nice segue. That's this is Radio 101 right you here. Listeners, if if you want to get involved, vote rjbrown.com. Yes. Or Follow just vote RJ Brown at the polls. Facebook. That would uh, heck, I'll Instagram. take that above anything. Um, RJ, uh, any last words of wisdom? Any last no, I, anything uh, you'd I, like I, to share uh, with the audience? I appreciate you guys having me on. I appreciate what you do. Um you know, for what it's worth, we're just trying to do what's right. Yeah, and if I get the opportunity to do that, you got my word that I'm going to tell the truth and we're going to do everything in our capacity to make sure that that office is run correctly and run morally and run ethically and run compassionately. Well, and that's the plan. You can take that to the bank, folks. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, Robert Joseph Brown. R.J. Brown. The second. The second? <laughs> no, not really. My grandfather was. Anyway. <laughs> R.J. Brown. Second on paper, first in our hearts. I like it. Thank Thanks, you so RJ. much. Thanks, guys. Aloha. Appreciate it. My parents raised me to solve problems. <laughs>